0: Welcome to the Word Ministry of Resurrection Church where Dr. Joseph G. Matera is the senior pastor and presiding bishop. We trust that the following message will be a blessing. Open up your hearts and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you through the preaching and teaching of one of God's choice servants. Hey everybody, hope you're ready for the Word. Today we're going to talk about the day of Pentecost and what are the distinctions of the Pentecostal church. I know when we think of the word Pentecostal, we think of small storefront churches uh, dressing a certain way, maybe having a church service every night of the week. Um, A lot of us uh, think of maybe the fundamentalist view of life where we abstain from every aspect of culture. Uh, small groups of of Christians who stick to themselves and don't get involved with anything else in life, Um, and all they do is think about, you know, worship and praise, which is the most important thing, but they don't relate to the world. That's what we think about when we think about Pentecostal today. But that was not always the case. As a matter of fact, in the advent of the 20th century, there were two men who brought about a restoration of what we would call today classical Pentecostalism, out of which came the charismatic movement, the third wave, and many of the charismatic churches today, which are the majority in the world, came out of this movement in the early 20th century. So on December 31st, in the year 1899, right before midnight, there was a move of God somewhere in Topeka, Kansas, uh, with a small group of people in a Bible school. It was led by Charles Ponham, who happened to be a white man. And that was the first instance that was popularized that led to the global Pentecostal movement. And out of that group, there was a school born, well, that was already there, rather, and uh, William Seymour, a black man, was one of the students. And he learned about the baptism of the Holy Spirit which they called the Second Blessing. It was subsequent to salvation. And William Seymour went and launched a group in Los Angeles, uh, first on Bonnie Bray Street, and then they went to what's called Azusa Street. And in 1907, there was an outbreak of the spirit with a sign gift of speaking in tongues that began a global movement that within three years hit every nation of the world. The original quote-unquote Pentecostal movement that took place both in Kansas City and especially in Azusa Street was made up of rich and poor, black and white. It was a model of racial reconciliation and it was able to affect the whole world. And so that is the historical background of the Pentecostal church. And the reason why I'm talking about that is around this time of year, Churches all over the globe, some of their calendars are a bit different. That's why I'm saying this time of year uh, we celebrate Pentecost Sunday. So let's go to the book of Acts chapter 2. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all together in one place. So we see here the importance of them being together. Now, as much as we enjoy the Zoom meetings, there is something to be said about being together in one place. As a matter of fact, it was so important to God that those who weren't there in that one place were not subsequently filled with the Spirit of God and didn't experience God in the manner that those who were in that upper room experienced. So they were in the upper room for 10 days praying, it tells us in Acts 1. Jesus said, the Spirit of God will come on you, give you power to be my witnesses. Wait in that upper room until I come with the Spirit And then ten days later, we see this day of Pentecost fully arriving. Not just the day itself, but the moment, the Kairos moment of God visiting his people, which was the fullness of the meaning of this celebration of Pentecost, this Jewish feast. And so they were all together in one place. Jesus appeared to over 500 people, it tells us in 1 Corinthians 15. Only 120 were in the upper room. So out of the 500, 380 didn't experience what we're about to read. Why? Because they were not there physically. Someone might say to me, Pastor Joe, I couldn't make it to church on Sunday, but I was with you in spirit. And I say to them, the next time, bring your body, because then your spirit will come too. So there's something important about being someplace physically. So when this lockdown is over, we need to get back Don't get so used to Zoom and just hanging out and doing your own thing, Uh, listening to services anytime you want, so that when we do start on Sunday, you're not ready to come. Begin to get ready now. Try to listen to the service at 1030. Get in the habit every week. Gear up for Sunday morning being the Lord's Day when we all come together. It's coming soon. So that's the first principle here. They were all together in one place. It also says that they were all together. Another translation, they were in one accord, in one place, meaning they had oneness. It took them 10 days to experience this oneness. Oneness is greater than just mere unity, which is temporary. But this oneness, it describes in Acts chapter 4, they were of one heart and of one soul. And no one thought that the things that they owned were themselves, but they shared everything. They had all things in common, so they had something more than just temporary unity, something more than just showing up in church and having a common course for an hour and a half to hear a message and do corporate worship. There was a oneness. They were united in their emotions. They were united in their heart. They had the same goals and commitments, and they were serving the same Lord. And sometimes it's not easy to have oneness. It's a lot easier to have unity than it is to have oneness. Oneness takes time, it takes trust, it takes walking in humility and brokenness, forgiving one another. But after 10 days of debating Scripture and praying and walking together, many of them for three and a half years, they finally got to a place where they were not only in the same location geographically, but they had oneness of heart. And I believe that that oneness was what released the power of the Holy Spirit. The more one we are as a body, The more synergy we will have, the more power God will trust to us. That's why Jesus said, if two of us agree, the word agree is important. He said, if two of us agree on earth this touching anything, it will be granted to us by our Father in heaven. So the power of agreement comes out of oneness. And the more oneness we have, the more power God is going to give us. It says in verse 2, the result of being in one place, the result of having this oneness, It says suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were seated. And tongues of fire came upon them and rested upon each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Wow. So we see here the power of God manifested. The whole place shook and tongues of fire came down. And these tongues of fire represented the ability of the holiness, the purity, the power, the essence of God taking control of humanity's tongue. Instead of being an instrument of wickedness, of gossip, of slander, of cussing, these tongues now became an instrument of carrying God's ways, of carrying God's fire, carrying God's holiness. And so these tongues of fire came upon each of them who were waiting on God for ten days. And now the result was that there were people in Jerusalem for the feast, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, and they heard them speaking in tongues, and they realized even though they were all from different nations, they heard them speaking in their own language. Now we don't know if they actually spoke in the language of all these nations, or that the people who heard them supernaturally heard the tongues in their own language. The Bible doesn't explain what it was. We don't know if the uh, people who were filled with the Spirit actually spoke in different languages that concurred with the languages of the listeners around them. But be that as it may, they all heard them speak in their own language, and they were amazed and astonished. They said, not all these who are speaking Galileans, how are we each hearing in our own language the wonderful works of God, people from Parthia, from the Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, uh, Cretans, Arabians, we hear them all telling uh, from our own language with our own language in their own tongue the mighty works of God in our own tongues the mighty works of God and they were all amazed and perplexed and they said what does this mean so the third aspect of a Pentecostal experience is that we're able to speak the language that relates to people unfortunately many Pentecostal people today are just speaking religious language They're just speaking uh, words and languages or even speaking in tongues in ways that people can't understand uh, who God is. It just becomes a language that's good for other Christians. However, we're going to be really Pentecostal, truly Pentecostal people and have a true Pentecostal church. We're going to learn to speak the tongue of other people. We're going to be able to interpret culture and give them the gospel and share the mighty works of God in a way the world could understand it. Uh, We could speak the language of Babylon or the language of Athens or the language of the Grecians as Paul did in Acts 17. Uh, We could speak the language of Babylon as Daniel did in the book of Daniel. Uh, We could speak the language of Jerusalem or the language of the church or the language of New York City or whatever city we're in. Depending on what context we're in, God empowers us to interpret the gospel, to relay the gospel, and communicate the gospel in a language people could understand. The whole purpose of Pentecost is not so you could just soak on the ground so you can get slain in the Spirit, so you could speak in tongues. People think that God gave us the day of Pentecost so we could speak in tongues. No, he says so that we could be his witnesses. The whole point of tongues, the whole point of getting filled with the Spirit is to relate the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. It's not just so we could soak And so if we're not being his witnesses, if we're not sharing the gospel, if we're not talking about the wonderful works of God, if we're not bridging the gap between God and man with the language of culture, then we're not truly Pentecostal. So they all heard the wonderful works of God in their own language. It was because of the power of the Spirit that happened. And so if the church is truly going to be Pentecostal, we need this third element, and that is to speak the language of the people. Verse 14, Peter stood up with the eleven and he lifted up his voice and he dressed them and he said, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem let it be known to you and give ear for these people are not drunk as you suppose, they actually thought they were drunk because they couldn't believe that they spoke in all these tongues uh, even though they were Galileans Peter said it's too early to speak uh, in tongues because of of being drunk Uh, we're not drunk, it's too early in the day But what is this? Now he interpreted, used the book of Joel in verse 16. He said, this is what was prophesied by Joel. In the last days, he said, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. So the fourth element of a Pentecostal church is that the spirit is poured out on all flesh. It's not just on Spanish people. It's not just on white people. It's not just on blacks. There's no such thing as an Afrocentric gospel or a Hispanic gospel or a white man's gospel or a Jewish gospel. He said that it be poured out on all flesh. And this is uh, to the Jews of those days, implying that the gospel is going to go to all nations, not just to Jews. And so he said, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. So a Pentecostal church reaches all ethnicities, speaks their language does what is needed to relate the gospel in a way that uh, God is made known, God is revealed supernaturally through the relationship we have with Christ. And so the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to be an interpreter of culture and to speak the language of culture so that the Spirit can be poured out and ministered to all flesh. And then he says, and your sons and daughters will prophesy. A fifth element of the Pentecostal church is that children are not exempt. Children are not to be treated as babies. They're not just to be babysat. They're not just to be put in front of a television to watch videos all day. They are to be trained. They should be soaked in the Spirit. They should be taught the Word of God. God says, I want my sons and daughters to prophesy. Young people should be prophesying he said your young men shall see visions jesus was a millennial when he started his ministry the disciples would be considered generation z and millennial today if they were alive today they were all young you're talking about people who are 30 years old and younger who turned the world upside down a millennial who is about 33 or 34 died for the sins of the world Uh, God is moving upon young people. We don't need to limit them because they're young. So he says, I'm going to give vision to young people. Now old people will have dreams. So old people are not out of the game. God is still using older people. So he still could give us dreams. He still has a future for us. He still has a calling. He has an assignment. So while the young men have visions, the older men have dreams... Even on my male servants and female servants, I will pour out my spirit. Here it's mentioning both male and female, as he did sons and daughters, meaning at the gospel, the spirit, the gift of prophecy, some use that as a preaching gift. Not just for men, women are in the game. They could preach, they could teach, they could prophesy. The Spirit of God is the great equalizer. At the cross, there's no male, nor female, nor Greek, nor Jew, nor slave, nor free. It's an equalizer of economics, it's an equalizer of gender, it's an equalizer of of ethnicity. At the cross, we're all equal. At the cross, we're all saved equally. At the cross, we're all sinners. And at the cross, and because of the cross, we're all now qualified to receive the Spirit and to represent God to this world. So even women can have the Spirit and prophesy, which was a countercultural statement by Joel that was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. So, if we're gonna be a Pentecostal church, there's room for women, there's room for women leaders, room for women preachers, room for young people to minister, room for all of us. And no matter whether we're rich or poor, white or black, Hispanic, brown, whatever we are, God has called us together to represent His body. And the proof of that is the Spirit's poured out on all flesh, not just on Jews or not just on some flesh. And then, verse 22, Peter continues to preach. He starts talking about Jesus, who is a man attested by God with mighty signs and wonders. He talked about how they crucified him and how God raised him from the dead. And verse 36 Peter says, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made Jesus both Lord and Christ, this Christ who you crucified. And so when they heard this, the Jewish people were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, What shall we do in response to this amazing message, to this amazing experience on Pentecost? And Peter said, Repent. The word repent is a Greek word, metanoia. The word meta means beyond. Noia means to think, meaning God wants to blow your mind. God wants to change your mind. If we're a Pentecostal church, we need to have our minds blown. We need to have a metanoia experience. We need to allow God to shift our paradigms. We need to take the lid off God. We need to stop making things impossible that are possible with God. We need to stop thinking that God can't move on our community or our city or our family or can't save certain people. Repentance means that we have to take the lid off of God. We have to change the way we think. We have to let God be God, meta, beyond. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. And when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And then they said, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, we'll be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. You will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But this promise is for you and for all your children and for all who are afar off, to everyone on whom the Lord God will call to Himself. And so we see how the gospel was for men and women, for young, for old. We see how after the message came, Part of being Pentecostal is to repent, to start shifting our paradigm, to stop thinking in old legalistic, fundamentalistic ways, stop thinking in ways that doesn't relate to culture, stop thinking in ways in which we're separate from our community, uh, where we can't relate the gospel. And uh, to these unsaved people, repentance actually had to do with turning from their worldly views about Christ and receiving Christ as Lord. So the church needs to repent, but so does the world. And in this context, he's talking more about those who don't know Christ. And so the the other aspect of the Pentecostal church is to repent, to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Wow, I love that. Be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Baptism itself doesn't forgive us, but repentance, coming to Christ... Has to be first, and then as a sign of our inward faith, we outwardly get baptized. When we go under the water, we're uniting with Christ's death. When we come out of the water, we are uniting with his resurrection. And Peter says that when we repent and when we unite with his death, burial, and resurrection, we will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's that second blessing that he was referring to. And then The other aspect that we need to talk about that makes us Pentecostal on the day that we're thinking of Pentecost Sunday, the birth of the church, is Peter says, this promise is for you and for all your children and for all who are afar off, for everyone whom the Lord God will call. So he's saying that this gospel, this good news is for our children for generations to come. When he says for our children... That means that our true Pentecostal church should pass their faith down to their kids. It's for our families. It is for our young people. If a family is not passing their faith down to their children, they're not truly Pentecostal. But it's not just to our immediate family. He says, this promise is for our children and for all, meaning the context children, for all that are far off. Meaning, just like God said to Adam and Eve, I want you to multiply even before they had any children. God says, I want you to think of your children having children who have children. He was telling Adam and Eve to multiply, to think generationally in Genesis 128 here. He's also saying the same thing. The promise of the Holy Spirit is for our immediate family, our children, but for all who are far off. For our grandchildren, for our great-grandchildren, for the children of our children of our children. So to be truly Pentecostal means to think generationally. It means that we pass the faith down to our children. It's not a meme I, I, religion. It's not an individualistic religion. They all came together in one place. Being Pentecostal is not this individualistic, hey, I need a word, I want to get a prophecy, I want to get slain in the Spirit, I want to experience God. No, it's for a community. It's for our children. It's to think generationally. And if we're not thinking generationally, we're not truly Pentecostal, according to the description of this day of Pentecost. Verse 40, it says, And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourself from this crooked and perverse generation. And so, another aspect of being Pentecostal is that we come out of the perversity of this generation. Uh, He's talking about bringing the gospel to our children. That means bringing a generational blessing to our family. But then he's saying, to break those generational patterns, those generational habits, Leave, save yourself, separate yourself from the perversity of this generation, the perversity of how they've altered the definition of family, how they've altered the definition of male and female and gender, how they've altered human sexuality, how they've altered uh, uh, what truth is, how they've altered education, how they've altered So many value systems uh, where we we just think about ourselves. We just think about money. We, We become hedonistic. We become narcissistic. We become a culture that is infatuated with ourselves. People just taking selfies all day, risking their lives so they can have more likes. It's a perverse generation because it's not built upon the foundation of Christ, which is built on community, built on church, built on oneness with others. It's not isolated, it's not individualistic, and it's not one-generational. It's multi-generational. So when we come to Christ, we are actually saving ourselves and our families from a perverse or distorted view of what family or life is. So we're coming away from a crooked or perverse generation. The result of this, verse 41, those who received His word were baptized they were added that day about 3,000 souls. So sixth, a true Pentecostal church is evangelistic. They're being added by the, by the Lord. The Lord is adding new people continually. You could tell a church is dying when there are nobody, new people getting saved and coming to Christ. One of the signs of life is that God is adding continually to a church. Last but not least... Verse 42, the seventh sign of a Pentecostal church is they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. So as we think about what it means to be Pentecostals, just not described merely in signs and wonders, although that's part of it. It's not just having these great experiences. It's not just feeling God. It's not just dancing. It's not doing floor time. Part of how... We're going to be Pentecostal. It's not just these experiences of great revivals, but we have to do the hard work. We have to be devoted to the apostles' doctrine. We have to know the essentials of the faith. We have to know the first principles. We have to be serious students of the word. We have to know the great doctrines of the church. We have to be committed to the fellowship. That means to do life together. If you isolate yourself, you're not really functioning in the body, and you're not really Pentecostal. We have to be committed to the breaking of bread that has to do with doing communion during dinner or outside of dinner, as we do on Sunday. It has to do with breaking the bread together, remembering the Lord's body, and being committed to corporate prayer. And so, because they were Pentecostal, it says that the Lord added daily to their number, those who were being saved. It was a powerful church because they had many elements. They didn't just speak in tongues. They didn't just dance. They didn't just have one aspect. They had all these components that we see in just one chapter of the book of Acts. So, beloved, if you want to be Pentecostal, if you call yourself Spirit-filled, you and I have to have all these attributes to truly be Spirit-filled and to be a Christ-honoring Pentecostal church. I hope you were blessed by the Word. And if you're here today and you don't know Christ, you can receive Him. You can't get filled with the Holy Ghost unless Jesus Christ is your Lord. If you are a Christian, but you haven't been filled with the Spirit, or you were once, the Bible tells us to be continually filled with the Spirit. You could experience Pentecost every day. Every day could be a day of Pentecost for you. You could wait on the Lord every single day and experience the fullness of the Spirit. And so if you don't know God, first of all, I want to pray for you. You can repeat this prayer. Jesus Christ died for your sins. He rose from the dead so that you could be saved. As Peter said, save yourself from this perverse generation. And that's my admonition to you today. And so if you want to receive Christ, why don't you repeat this prayer after me? It doesn't mean anything because I'm praying it But if you have faith, it will mean something for you. So say this, Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I thank you for sending your Son to die on the cross for me. Jesus, thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. And I want to personally receive you in my life now I want you to be my Lord. I believe that you died for me. I believe your blood was shed for me. I believe God punished you in my place. And I believe you rose from the dead. I believe you're alive and you're here right now. Because you are alive, come in my life now. Fill me with your spirit so I could follow you all the days of my life. For those who are Christians, I pray the release of the Spirit. I pray you get filled with the Spirit of God, with the knowledge of God, with the wisdom of God. I pray that even as Paul said in Ephesians five eighteen, be continually filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making music and melody in your hearts to God, that they would be a joyful people, a people who sing the psalms, who spoke, speak the Word, who encourage each other, who wait on the Lord, and every day they create space for you, Lord, that they can be filled with your Spirit. I thank you, God, for this Pentecostal message, for this Pentecostal church that we see in the book of Acts. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, and if you prayed that prayer for salvation or a prayer to be filled with the Spirit, I encourage you to get in touch with us. There'll be information uh, right on the screen that will give you instructions as soon as this message is finished. God bless you. We trust that you were blessed. For more information regarding our church, please go to our website at www.resurrectionchurchofny.com or call 718 718- extension 0.